Hello and welcome to Getting It Done, a podcast about music, education, and life lessons. I'm your host, Tim Rausenberger, and today is Thursday, January 11th, 2018. This is the first part of a four-part series on vocal survival. This is episode 204, Vocal Survival, Things to Avoid. This particular series has been a long time in the making. And I have worked on all things relating to vocal survival for the past 25 years. It's been a combination of information I've collected online with vocal survival sheets that a lot of people have circulated over the years. I've attended conferences, listened to world-class clinicians in education and music. I've spoken to ENTs, ones who do and do not specialize in working with singers, because I do have one of my own who specializes in working with musicians and teachers. My goal was to present a series that's going to help literally everyone. I didn't want to just focus on educators or musicians. I wanted to present this in such a way where you're going to be able to, to relate to everything I'm going to explain. You're not going to hear really any terminology that doesn't make any sense to you or is going to be some type of foreign jargon. There's a word for you. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into the things we need to avoid when it comes to vocal survival. And again, this is not a complete list, but it's a list of items I think are extremely important and ones that a lot of people may or may not realize. We have 10 of them here. Number one, the use of your voice, singing or speaking, within the first hour without any type of warming up. My best advice to you is after you wake up in the morning, you really shouldn't use your voice at any, uh, really at any cost. I would avoid using it in any way possible. And if you do need to speak, speak softly. People who start yelling immediately, your entire body is waking up and your vocal cords and everything involving your, your entire vocal mechanism, it's just waking up and you need to give it some time. I cringe when I hear about school systems or schools who will have a chorus at very early hours of the morning. It is so unhealthy. It is so terrible for 
the voice. Number two, excessive use of the voice, singing and speaking. This isn't hard. If you are starting to feel fatigued, you need to shut your voice down. You need to simply stop using the voice because it needs a rest. You can equate this to working out. If you are sore after you've been working out for some time, people know that you are supposed to shut the body down. You're not supposed to try to work through uh, the soreness, especially if it's the, the type of soreness that's turning into outright pain because you can actually do damage to the muscles. Well, it's the same exact thing with the voice. Number three, excessive intensity and frequency levels. I like to direct this specifically to teachers because we need to project our voice and a lot of time times our voice can get to the point where you almost are in autopilot and you keep on speaking with the same vocal tone. The reality is if you can adjust the quality of your voice and not speak at the same level the entire time, and you can actually get quieter and mix it up between the two, you're going to do wonders for your mechanism and your students are actually going to respond better they're going to be able to listen a lot better because it can be very monotone when you keep talking the same way, which is exactly what it sounds like when you are speaking with uh, great intensity for long periods of time. Number four, throat clearing and coughing. Every single time that you cough, or you clear your throat, <clears throat> when you do those two things, you are causing major, not minor, major damage to the vocal folds. So just think about that. You can check out videos on YouTube where you can see the damage done. After I just did that, I hate the feeling in my throat right now. I, I never do it. I just don't clear my throat. I don't cough unless I'm really, really sick or unless, unfortunately, I've got that really, really nasty glob of you-know-what <laughs> in my throat because of a cold. And in that case, I, I try as best I can to swallow rather than clearing the throat or coughing. Number five, this is a, one that's surprising to uh, a lot of people. Loud and prolonged laughter. When you laugh for a very long period of time, it's not natural for the voice. Anything that you do which is not natural for your speaking voice can have an adverse effect, which ties into number six, crying. Have you ever noticed that if you've had a if you've had a really terrible day or if i can think of something maybe a little more tragic if you have suffered 
a death in the family or to a pet, whatever the case uh, may be, when you cry for a, a long period of time, you will find that your vo- you have a hard time speaking. And sometimes if you listen to people after they've been crying for two or three or four or more hours, they have a tough time speaking. That's because your voice is doing something unnatural. Seven goes along with five and six, screaming and shouting. There's just no need for it. Uh, If you do scream and shout every once in a while, it's not going to be the end of the world. But I can tell you, if you are screaming and shouting all the time, uh, you probably want to invest in getting some type of amplification. Uh, The other thing, too, is let's be honest about it, and I've said this many times, when you're screaming and shouting all the time at people, they eventually tune you out. That goes along with number three, the intensity and frequency levels. Number eight, hard glottal attack, which is a clenching of the vocal cords. The best example I can give you uh, for this one is imagine uh, reaching down and trying to pick up a heavy object. The one thing you want to avoid doing at all costs, and I'll do it right now and I don't like doing it, but if I try to grab something right now, uh, uh, that sound, or if you make it even louder, horrible for the voice. Again, it clenches the vocal cords. It's something that they do not enjoy, so don't do that. Number nine, this is one that's a bit of a shocker whispering when you whisper like this your vocal cords are actually scratching against one another it's really terrible for the voice so don't whisper if you're going to if you you have issues with your voice you're going through laryngitis or anything in which your voice has has been compromised uh, due to illness or whatever just speak in a very soft voice. Don't whisper. Whispers, whispering is very, very bad for the for the vocal cords. And number 10 is the one that goes a bit more towards uh, the musicians and uh, all my friends in music education. Forcing your voice to sing like someone else, especially popular singers. One of the most difficult things for me is when I get a student who has not had me as a teacher before and they come into my classroom or uh, my private studio and I can hear they are trying to emulate someone else. It's just not good. There are absolutely are some people who can get away with it and it hasn't hurt their voice in the long run but that's not the case for most people when i look at these talent shows on tv and i see children singing opera i get scared i really get truly terrified when they are doing things to their voice that are simply not natural. It doesn't mean that no one out there can do it. It doesn't mean that 
there are some very special musicians who are, for lack of a better word, freaks because they can do things that the average person can't do at a young age. But I can assure you, by and large, younger musicians, uh, they when you try to they try to force the voice to do something they're not capable of, it's an issue. I leave you with one last thing, and I, I hope that this is something it's it's a, a failure, but one that changed my life in such a great way. When I graduated from college, I was toying with either becoming a professional singer or becoming a music teacher. And I had auditioned at several uh, prestigious colleges and conservatories during my, my senior year of college. And I received amazing advice from two of the schools they were so gracious and they had rejected me, but they, they got back to me and told me in depth why I was rejected. And they actually said, there is nothing about your musical ability that we disliked. There is nothing about your musical aptitude that we disliked. There's nothing about you that we disliked. What they told me was, at that time, at age 22, my voice was not ready for their program. And they were right. Because I can assure you, especially after some of the issues I, I suffered in, in my mid-20s with my voice and the things I did since, since that time to correct uh, those issues, which all come from this list... I can assure you as I moved into my 30s and now into my 40s that my, my voice is stronger than ever. I can do things with my voice now I could never do in my early 20s. So that's something to certainly pass along to others and something that you need to take to heart. The only way that you know is unfortunately when you, you get older and you can look back on things. So... Don't try to sing like someone else. Always be yourself and and sing the way that you are capable of singing to the best of your ability. This wraps up part one for our vocal survival series. We're going to continue tomorrow with part two. Part two is going to uh, involve items that we want to avoid consuming, things that can affect our vocal cords, our vocal folds, our vocal mechanism. So tune in tomorrow. And uh, as always, please share the podcast with others on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, uh, and uh, any feedback you have would be greatly appreciated. Be safe with those vocal cords.